0: In this special edition podcast, Brian McKigney, president of Oppenheimer Asset Management, talks with chief investment strategist, John Stolfes, to shed light on market movements in light of the news about the Russia-Ukraine crisis. This episode was recorded on February 24, 2022.
1: My name is Brian McKigney, president of Oppenheimer Asset Management. I'm here today with my colleague, John Stolfes, our chief strategist. As the leader of our advisory business at Oppenheimer, We're in the business of providing our advisors and clients with insight, access, and advice. Today, we would like to open up our perspective and insight to everybody. John, it seems like the world has changed significantly over the last 24 hours. On top of a jittery market, we now have a significant downdraft in world markets. Can you give us some perspective since you've seen skirmishes and other world-challenging events in your career? John, I'd like to hit on really a couple of topics here. First, from a historical perspective, how should investors digest these world events? How is it the same and or different from the past?
0: I think uh, the first thing uh, is, Brian, when we when we look at the, the current situation, is one thing that is always, in my experience over the last 38 years, fairly consistent, the wrong time to sell is uh, as a market is falling uh, for intermediate to long-term investors. Generally speaking, if they are diversified and hold quality assets, the market, especially in a dramatic sell-off or in response to a dramatic historic uh, event in occurrence, whether it is a financial crisis or a pandemic crisis, or the fact that we have a a significant military operation that is occurring uh, in, in Ukraine with Russia, invading uh ukraine territory we would have to say that it's the wrong time to sell right now if anything it, it is a time to consider dollar cost averaging reinitiating, reinitiating new positions uh, uh to take advantage over the dislocation of valuations that is occurring that are related out of sheer fear and also just the aspect of you'll find trading floors generally take advantage of of instances like these with a variety of highly sophisticated approaches for very short-term investing that can last from a few minutes to perhaps a few hours to maybe a few days. So at this point, what we would have to say, what appears very similar is that we had a dramatic uh, period of selling. Although as we are speaking right now, it would appear that the markets are off their lows for the day. Uh, It appears that we've got some sense coming into the market or I would say more some form of equilibrium beginning to develop. In terms of how this is different, I would say, well, different from the pandemic and different from the great financial crisis, the most recent dislocations that we've seen. Uh, The difference is this is a reiteration of a Cold War period with uh, a hot uh, geopolitical events occurring within that Cold War between the United States, Communist China, and uh, what is Apparently, Vladimir Putin's uh, government's reinterpretation of the Soviet Union at this time. And uh, so it is a militaristic uh, event that is occurring. But if we look back, if we remember the Cuban Missile Crisis, the markets took a, a dive over a very short period and then realized that indeed the United States was responding to the situation and also responding to the fact that People continue to buy products and continue to buy services irregardless, uh, so long as things can, be, uh, can arrive on shelves or can, can arrive in terms of uh, uh, computer screens, people buy and sell things all the time. It's, it's the nature of the world does indeed go on. Uh, so uh, we would think that there are many sectors that are likely to be very good value at this point. Uh, from a perspective of having been oversold over the last uh, few weeks, as a result of concerns of Federal Reserve and and then more recently the potential for an invasion
1: of of Ukraine, John. Just with respect to the equity markets, the Nasdaq is down approximately nineteen and a half percent, which I believe is really the average decline going back to nineteen seventy. Mm-hmm. So, given these events and uh, what's going on uh, globally. Does this change your thinking on your published targets? Uh, no, it actually doesn't.
0: Uh, if anything, we would say this: uh, th- these events occurring this early in the year uh, would suggest to us that they will likely have been fully digested by the markets, and the market will have been moving on to other things, probably within the next month or so, we would imagine, at most uh, uh, through the beginning of the second quarter as uh, As we begin to live with whatever the new outcome is of this, and uh, move on, so to speak, on a more level basis. But related to technology in particular, you know what uh, the ironic thing is all the worry over technology related to the Federal Reserve's uh, current hiking period, uh, essentially what you have here is uh, technology is not going away. It's deeply embedded in the lives of business and of individuals. Uh, it allows businesses and consumers to behave in a more efficient manner. They relate to each other. Uh, in addition to that, that it is uh, aided and abetted by globalization, which, for all the dysfunction that we are currently experiencing within the uh, global supply chain, is gradually being remedied. Uh, if not as fast as we would all like, it uh, is beginning to be resolved. So. Now, overall, we think the sectors across the 11 sectors, there's plenty of opportunity. The real risk lies if, if you're investing in the type of stocks that make your palms sweaty and that are exciting. And that, you know, when people start investing in one or two stocks and say, I may have missed all that rally from the great financial crisis and from the uh, pand- beginning of the pandemic, but if I buy the right stock or the right st- three stocks, I'm going to make up for it with a great. Great play. Uh, that's the, where the real risk lies, and that's why you know the elements of, of, of the factors within technology uh, w- related to companies that are, don't have good cash flow or profitability. Those are problematic issues. But the, the major players in technology are, are big companies. They tend to be profitable, uh, loaded with cash flow, uh, and are many of them even have dividends. So you know we like tech. We like industrials. Industrials a good place to be right now. Uh, because within the industrial sector, you have the defensives, defense stocks, not defensive, but defense stocks. Those are war-making equipment uh, outfits and highly technological today. Uh, we'd also say financials, uh, you need financials, uh, and you'll see a steepening of the yield curve when we come out of here. They've been sold off earlier today. Again, I would think those are of interest. And then consumer discretionary. Uh, we always say, don't don't bet against the American consumer because uh, consumers will, uh, during hard times, they will be very uh, careful with their spending, but they'll keep spending because when Americans spend, they feel like they're alive. John,
1: you mentioned globalization earlier. And so with a uh, supply chain that's globalized, how do you think that the sanctions that the world is thinking about putting on Russia can affect the supply chain and globalization of it and the impact on inflation, which is clearly on everybody's mind.
0: I think imminently, it it means that inflation remains uh, a a problem and could be somewhat elevated uh, in the short term. The the reality is, however, uh, Russia and Ukraine are not the only sources of wheat. There are many other countries, including our own, a fairly well-vetted news service recently said, that the US is the second largest wheat grower in the world. So I think it will be less of a hurdle for us. I do think it has implications, particularly for Europe uh, and the the immediate region uh, adjacent to to Ukraine and and, uh, and Russia. There's potential of uh, China to come in and help Russia out if we're not buying products or or avoiding them that China will buy uh, from Russia. But ultimately, there's a competitive factor between Russia and China, which any time they profess to work together, uh, actually turns out not to be the case as the scene unfolds. They're not friendly competitors. They're both trying to prove that uh, communism works. And uh, the Chinese have done a much better job of it
1: than Russia has. So, John, practically speaking, what should investors be doing? You know, we've hit a technical bear market. And it's often the case that this is the time that opportunities arise for them. However, those opportunities are not necessarily transparent to most investors. So should investors be leaning in here? And how do I address those clients? And then also how do I address maybe a risk averse client today? Well, that's
0: quite a deep set of questions. I'd start off by saying is from a historical perspective, uh, it, it, you know, it, it's always recognized in hindsight that probably the best opportunity for investors is indeed when markets are roiled, you know, and the press says uh, markets are roiled by such and such issues. It's usually that's when you find that stocks are actually on sale when you look back at that period of time. So we suggest for all investors, it's a great time to consider making shopping lists of things that may have gotten away from them most recently. Uh, And on on a day-to-day basis, consider what got away from you before that actually has opportunity uh, embedded in it that could benefit your portfolio by stepping in and beginning to nibble or layer into positions that could benefit you uh, six months, 12 months, and maybe
1: even sooner down the road. John, we always tell our clients and advisors, know what you own and know why you own it. What are the key takeaways that investors should be thinking about right now?
0: Well, I'd, I'd say the first thing is know yourself and, and the ability to work with uh, a good financial advisor uh, is key to that uh, in, in evaluating how different asset classes and different components within those asset classes can, can help you uh, to continue to meet your goals. Uh, we generally have found that running to cash at points like these usually means for most investors that they get back into it too late once the market has already begun to rally. Uh, it, it's uh, There is never an all-clear signal for investors to move in and buy investments. That's uh, one thing. you know. There's always uh, a point that many times, particularly various pundits, will always make it look like, don't invest today because stocks are too expensive. Don't invest today because stocks are too cheap. Don't invest today because markets don't like uncertainty. Uh, The the longer I'm in this business, the more I realize that professional investors, successful investors who are private investors as well, generally know that the best time to invest is when others uh, are afraid or worried. I mean, Warren Buffett has been eminently quoted for for years. You know, it's it's when others are greedy, that's when you want to essentially stay sidelined. And when others are fearful, that's when you want to step in. And uh, we'll borrow that and utilize that today. That it's, it's a matter, you know, the big thing I think is one needs to know what one, one's level of fear is and have an idea of how much is it actually rational. When I look back on these 38 years, going on 39 now that I've been in the business, virtually every crisis has been, in hindsight, an opportunity to become a bigger investor rather than a smaller investor. And much of that being just holding the positions through a a rough period and not letting emotions overcome the rational decisions that are needed in business. Uh, Essentially, don't buy, don't think of buying stocks, think of buying businesses and asking in the portfolio that I own, what type of companies do I own? and recognize the fact that good leadership, good products, innovation, or for those that are not innovators, the use of innovation can offer incredible opportunities for companies to grow and deliver um, benefits to their shareholders, as well as to their customers and their
1: employees. John, I can't help but ask here, but you know, in addition to being our strategist, you also have a model portfolio that you offer to clients. Can you just tell us how that portfolio is right now positioned so that uh, the current risks are sort of being managed and the opportunities taken care of?
0: Yes, I I sure can, Brian. In terms of the market strategy dividend opportunity portfolio, the UMA, uh, it's a highly diversified portfolio that is essentially at its core is a blend of value and growth. Uh, I find it very pleasing to, to hear some of the other firms, our competitors on the street over the last few weeks have begun to say, oh, it's a good idea to own both growth and value. The same outfits that for all of last year were saying, you just want to own value and you want to get out of growth. We think you need to own growthier value and garpier growth at a relatively reasonable price. And that type of combination, that barbell in effect, is an excellent way to not only navigate waters like these, but to be able to uh, get good performance in very volatile markets that will likely lead to very pleasing results in not forever forward, but in a relatively uh, short space and time, we would think.
1: Well, John, you know, it's going to be a busy day as the markets continue to bounce around here. So I want to thank you for your time and look forward to our next conversation. Brian, it's always great speaking with you. Thanks for calling on me today.
0: Thanks for listening to this special edition podcast. We will continue to provide more global insight and perspective as this crisis continues
1: to develop.